Hello and welcome to Cultivate to Thrive podcast. I am your host, Michelle Gunn. My mission is to help women find and live their purpose, resulting in discovering who they innately are. Throughout this podcast journey, I will help you to uncover your talents and your strengths to lead you on the path of realizing value in self, to grow in love of self, to lead to a fulfilling purpose, and to build stronger relationships. In this episode, we're going to talk about the whole well-being. When was the last time you checked on your own well-being? What does that even mean? Sure, we understand what it means when someone asks us how we're doing. We usually answer in a general sense, fine. Sometimes we even talk about it. We tell them about a particularly rough day or a recent happy experience, but that's not it. Many people wrap well-being into five areas, career well-being, social well-being, financial well-being, physical well-being, and community well-being. But I like to add a sixth and seventh area that people shy away from, mental well-being and spiritual well-being. Let's spend some time examining these areas. And I'm hoping that through this process and this exploration, that you will find ways where you can increase your general whole well-being. Firstly, let's talk about career well-being. Since many people just wrap up their identities and their career, we'll talk about this. But I like to refer to this as a purpose well-being. It makes more sense to me. The definition of career is an occupation or profession, while purpose means the reason for which something exists. Wouldn't you rather live your life for the reason you exist instead of for an occupation or a profession? When choosing a career, we often consider what skill sets we have acquired, maybe what we have learned to do well or can learn to do well how much money we can earn doing it, and if we're smart, we may even consider if we like it or if it will bring some happiness. Now, a purpose is not something we choose. A purpose is something we were meant to do. Don't get me wrong. The two can align, and when they do, it's the best outcome ever. So how do you find your purpose? It is a journey. It doesn't have to be hard but most likely it will take time and some true introspection. God has gifted each one of us with unique innate talents. These are different from skills that we learn. Although we can sometimes use skills to imitate innate talents, there is a difference. There are some assessments that can start you in the right direction, but your lived experiences can also help you figure it out. If you need help, consider investing in a life coach. This is a personal investment that you will reap benefits from for years. Now I wanna give an example of a skill set versus innate talents. So one thing that I've really noticed since I became a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach is that people really throw around the word empathy. You need to be good at empathy, you need to build your skills at empathy. Empathy is important, which I do agree empathy is important, 
But there is a difference between the innate talent of empathy and skills that you can build to mimic empathy, right? So if you are innately talented with empathy, this is something that you don't have to try to do. It's just part of who you are. It's how you do things. I have worked with people where empathy has been their number one strength and they cannot help but lead with that. And it shows in everything they do versus people who have to really try to learn to not say anything and listen, to try to put themselves in the other person's position, to real feel for them and understand. So you can see there's a little bit of a difference. Now, after each of these well-being areas, I'd like to do a little check-in. So for career well-being, let's check in. Are you living your purpose or are you living a career? Are you fulfilled? Do you have that feeling of fulfillment or do you feel drained at the end of the day or you're wanting for more? So if you feel like you're living a career, you're not feeling fulfilled, you may feel stuck in life, you may feel drained after every day or you know, the worst part is when you just loathe going into it. Sometimes it even makes you physically sick. You're not living your purpose and definitely do not have good career well-being in those instances. So when we look at things that you can do to build career well-being is actually to start looking at what your purpose is. And actually, I talk about that a little bit in the prior podcast, episode uh, two, who you are, I take you on a little coaching journey to start looking at what your purpose may be, what your innate talents and strengths are. But there are many different uh, processes that you can do to actually find out what your purpose is. And again, that would be a journey. It's not anything instant. Like I like to work with the uh, Clifton Strengths Assessment, but by all means, just having that assessment does not tell you where you should go. It's very important to know that we're very unique individuals and we operate in very unique ways. But if you're unhappy in your career, like I said, if you're feeling stuck, unfulfilled, dread going to work, feel extremely drained afterwards, and not the good drain, like, wow, I've really accomplished a lot today and I'm tired. It's the, oh my gosh, what a day. Do I have to do it again? Then you will want to look at building up your career well-being. So the second one I want to talk about is social well-being. So we are social beings. Even introverts need people. No matter where we find our people, family, friends, work, we need friendship. We need companionship. If we thought otherwise, the pandemic surely showed us how much by forcing us to be less social. So the pandemic really showed us how much we need each other and that interaction more than just texting, right? Because we all went to Zoom and other video processes. So we could at least see people because we couldn't have that physical in-person interaction. Think about your social well-being. Remember that we are all individuals. So this looks different for everyone. Some people need a lot of friends people they can share many different things with. And some people only need a couple of close friends. Some people might be just fine only with family. 
But really not too often do you find people who just want to be alone all the time. Because that's really not how we're made. So let's do our check-in for social well-being. Who is part of your social circle? Are you receiving enough socialization? Do you have a confidant, somebody that you can trust and tell anything to? Do you have someone to have fun with? Do you have someone to help keep the sanity? Now, many times we need different people for these different areas to fill us socially. For me, my go-to person, always the first person I want to tell anything to is my best friend who happens to be my husband. I need him for that. No matter how many other people I would tell something to, he's the one that I really need to tell. And then there are different people for different kinds of fun in your life, right? So if you're into sports, you want to hang with people who are into sports. If you like to read and discuss books, you're going to need to find people for that. Oftentimes at work, we have our, our best work buddy, somebody we share the trials of the day or the successes of the day. So think about it. And I know that COVID has made a lot of this difficult, but I think it probably would have helped to make things more clear about what you need to have a good social well-being. And once you can determine what you need, think about how you can get it. Do you need to develop more friendships in certain areas of your life or in certain interests? Do you need just to come into contact more with people or get reconnected with people? So think about who fulfills the role and if these needs are being met. That's social well-being. So next we're going to talk about financial well-being. This is extremely important. Finances can just wreak havoc on your life, mentally, physically, and everything. So we measure financial well-being by how our finances are managed. Does the thought of money make you feel sick or worried? Do you need to spend it as soon as you get it for fear there won't be any? Or maybe it's just offering you a high. Having financial stability makes life easier. I know, duh. We're always pushed to buy on credit. The latest fads are payday loans. Get a loan now because you can't make it to payday. This is a road to disaster because it will take you many paydays to pay it off. And then you'll keep struggling. Then there's the old keeping up with the Joneses philosophy. That's when you need to have what everyone else has, even if you can't afford it. You know, that whole idea that things will make you happy. The best thing that you can do for your financial well-being is to live within your means. That means that you have money to pay your bills, money to save for emergencies, money to save for the next big purchase, want or need, and money to treat yourself. The answer to this is living within a budget. Yes, it's hard. But the easiest way to see your income track expenses, and to follow goals and to meet your needs is to work with a budget. Now, 
different people can handle that in different ways. Some people will say they can't work it with the budget at all, but I think it just depends on your mindset and how that budget is structured. According to an article published in the journal Family Relationships, the number one predictor of whether or not you'll end up divorced is arguing about money early in your relationship. A budget brings everything out in the open. Both people know what money is coming in and where it is going. This makes having factual discussions easier. We'll talk about relationships in upcoming episodes, but communication is so important. And communication about money in families, in marriages, in people who are living together, anything like that. Uh, even, you know, in your work and even in charities that you give to, you want to know where your money is going. It can wreak havoc if it's not out in the open and honest. Now, I am not a financial coach, but if you have issues with money, please search out a financial coach. Also, there is a lot of free resources out there that you can get to help you start a budget or I know there's, I don't remember her name, a woman on Instagram who kind of shares some of Dave Ramsey's philosophy. And of course he's out there and there's other programs, but it is a really good idea to get a handle onto your finances. It doesn't mean that you don't deserve to spend money and that you can't have things, but really think about what you need versus what you can afford. So to check in for financial well-being. How does money make you feel? Do you have a fear of losing everything because you're living beyond your means? Do you even have money saved? Do you utilize a budget? Think about these things. Now, personally, I grew up a little differently with feelings around money. And a lot of times the way we're brought up will affect how we live and also, if you, you have a spouse or significant other, that will affect things. But I often had a fear of spending money because I was worried about not having enough. And that was something I had to work on. I needed to work on my mindset. Money does not control us. Money is a means to an end. It is not the thing that will make you happy. And even the things that money buys won't make you happy. So check in on your financial well-being. See what you need. I recommend actually looking at what you have coming in versus where you spend it. A lot of people don't even know what they spend. Go look at your online banking and see where your payments are going. You might be surprised. That also tells you what your priorities in life are, right? Because we spend money on things that are important to us. So is your money all going to junk food? Is it going to snazz up your car? Is it going to a hobby? Is it supporting a nonprofit that holds dear to you? Are you spending any on yourself, self-investment, both physical wellness and health, mental wellness and health, furthering your education, things like that. So really think about that. And then from there, you can determine 
what kinds of steps you need to do to make sure that you have good financial well-being. Next, we'll talk about physical well-being. This one's easy. Do you have the energy, stamina, and health to live your life? What foods do you consume? Do you feed your body or are you feeding your feelings? A healthy, well-balanced diet is important to ensure energy and proper brain function. Plus, we all feel better when we think we look better. Do you notice what I said? When we think we look better. What about exercise? To have healthy lungs and heart takes exercise. If COVID hasn't taught us anything, it's taught us that also, right? Because that disease will attack the lungs. You need healthy lungs and a healthy heart. All of your body parts need oxygen. Keeping your brain well oxygenated helps increase effectiveness of the brain, specifically memory. We learned that when my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's and we took her to specialists. It's one of the things he recommends. My goodness, our society is so sedimentary. Let's get off our butts and oxygenate our brains and work on our memories. Also, this society that's go, 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 we need better sleep, right? So exercise also increases energy and better sleep because you get tired enough to sleep. All of these contribute to your physical well-being. There are many resources to help in this area without resorting to fad diets, which do more harm in the end. And I'm going to say this because you hear the word diet all the time. A diet means everything you eat and drink. So we're all on a diet, so to speak, right? Because we're all intaking food and liquids. So what is it that you're doing? Let's check in. Are you overweight? Do you suffer from medical conditions that could be managed with a proper diet and or exercise? Is your memory suffering? Do you feel tired or fatigued? And if you say yes to any of these, and even if you don't, you might want to take a look at what you're doing for your physical well-being. What really helps, along like with your financial well-being, is keeping like a diary. Write down what you're eating, when you're eating, how much you're eating. Same thing with exercise and your intake of water. You'll get a better picture of how you're managing yourself, your physical well-being. And if you need help, there are health coaches out there. You can also, if you're a research geek, you can also research. There's lots of opinions out there. So make sure that you look for truths, not just opinions. And please stay away from fad diets. Remember, if it's quick off, it's quick on. If you're overweight and you're fatigued and you can't stretch, that all occurred over time. So getting back to the position of physical health is going to take time. And to be able to maintain it long-term, you need to take the time to do that. So one of the things that I wanted to add on to the areas of well-being, of course, was mental health. So I want to talk about mental well-being. We just celebrated the Mental Awareness Month. So it's very important. Society has so many demands and it takes a toll physically and mentally. 
I'm finding that this topic is finally being addressed publicly as it should be. It's a normal concern and should never be taboo or cause embarrassment. Life can be hard and we all cope in different ways. What you need to know is that this is an area you can make stronger before you even notice it is weak. People have emotions. There's no going around it. It's okay to feel. Now, whether or not you want to feel publicly, that's up to you. We all handle it differently, but it's important to feel. What makes a difference is how you put those feelings into action. In this fast-paced world, stress is abundant. If you suffer from stress, anger, self-doubt, or other constant emotions, learn tactics to address the symptoms and then work on the underlying issues. It doesn't matter if you choose to learn meditation, deep breathing techniques, or how to go to a happy place if the need to do so occurs frequently. You need to find the cause of the stress, anger, anxiety. Really examine the situations where these feelings arise and look for the causes. Once you find the causes, you need a plan to address them or find a solution. This may not be something you can do alone. Please always seek help if your situation is something you can't handle or you feel hopeless. There are uh, a number of coaches out there that can help with mental well-being, with handling stress. I can actually recommend a couple if you want to contact me, if you want someone. They also have some great free resources to help you deal and cope with stress. I can tell you firsthand that at a job I had, I was under so much stress that I got hives all over my body and it took a while. Actually, uh, the first time was really bad. I've had them a second time, but recognizing what the cause was, I was able to heal from that faster. So you really need to think about how your mental well-being, your emotions, your feelings are causing reactions physically and also in the other areas of your life. We talked about socially. If we're unwell mentally, we could withdraw and not be getting the social interactions. We could be lashing out and causing people to avoid us. We could be spending money looking for that high. We could be living in fear and not paying bills. There's all kinds of things that can happen when we're not mentally well. And I do want to say this caveat, if, if you are feeling depressed and you're having really severe problems, please don't wait, seek professional help. If you are that low, then a coach or a mentor, whatever, is not going to do it. You need to seek medical help. Okay. So let's check in. How are you feeling emotionally? Do you have extreme highs or lows? Do you feel angry, lost, or forgotten? Do you believe in yourself? That's another big one. If you don't believe in yourself, you have low self-confidence and low self-esteem, that is going to affect the rest of your life. 
I will also talk about in some of my episodes about how these things can be addressed. But again, always seek professional help if your situation is something you can't handle or you feel hopeless. And don't wait until it gets too bad. Another area of well-being is community well-being. Community well-being has to do with where you live. Do you like where you live? Does it suit your personality? Do you spend time enjoying your community by getting involved and getting to know your neighbors? Your community where you live plays a big part in your happiness. If you are an outdoorsy person, you will most likely be happy living amongst some nature or at least close enough to go enjoy it. If you're a person who likes to shop often, a suburban area close to shopping plazas or malls will bring joy even as you drive by and see it. If you like to spend more time alone than surrounded by people constantly, you might want to live further out into a rural area where drop-ins are less likely to happen. What is most important is that your community brings you joy when you drive through it as well as spending every day living in it. And by all means, if you can be a part of your community, get involved. Let's check in. How do you feel about your community? Is it home or do you spend your time thinking of moving? Is it a place you want to be involved in or hide from? Really, all of these areas of well-being, you can write down your answers and review them or do a journal. You know, even with this one, at the end of the day, you have a super long commute. It could be fine. It could be what you need. It could be that the drive is through a rural area and it calms you down. It could be that you just can't take living in the city, but you have to work there because you haven't yet found your purpose. Back to the first one. Anyway, when you're reviewing, you also think about your community well-being. So the last area that I don't really see addressed hardly at all is spiritual well-being. There are many religions and faiths, including agnostics. Whatever your belief is, it's an important part of you. It helps to make you who you are. That said, it should be cared for like the other six parts of your well-being. People say, well, I don't believe in any faith or religion. Um, that's a belief. It's a belief that you don't believe in something. And that's fine if that's you. But you need to look at how that is fostered. So examine your core beliefs. Determine what is your foundation. What's foundational for you? Is this something you decided or is it something you have been told and just accepted is this something you are unsure about if it is yours to the extent that you claim it if it is yours to the extent that you claim it how can you develop it you can practice your faith you can enrich your understanding and knowledge of your faith if you determined that it was forced upon you and it's not really your belief you can explore your options through education and talking with different people. And a lot of times there's experiences. So if you're looking 
let's say I'm going to use uh, Christianity as an example, uh, because that's what I'm most familiar with, that there are many denominations of Christianity. And many times you can go experience the different denominations by going to a service or a social gathering, asking questions, going to informational meetings, and kind of see what is in line with you. We are spiritual beings, even if we choose to not have faith in God. Spiritual is based on spirit, which by definition means the principle of conscious life, the vital principle in humans. So find out where the foundation of your conscious life is and enrich and empower it. Let's check in. Is your spirituality developed? Do you spend time enriching or growing your spirituality? How does your spirituality make you, you? So to wrap it up, I want to talk about the seven areas, which includes the two areas that I have added of the whole well-being, because we're whole people, is career well-being or purpose, social well-being, financial well-being, physical well-being, community well-being, mental well-being, and spiritual well-being. So I hope that you received some benefit and some insight into really who you are and what makes you you. All of these areas are innately a part of you and how you can increase your well-being will help with your inner happiness and will help you find your way. If you're looking for help because you're unsure about any area, remember that there are great coaches that can help you in all areas of well-being. And aren't you worth the investment? If you need help locating someone in the area, please message me. You can message me here in the comments, you can find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook, Instagram. You can DM me and tell me what you're looking for, and I can help uh, recommend or refer people to you. So really think about your, your well-being and remember that you are worth investing in yourself. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of Cultivate to Thrive podcast. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share with someone who needs to hear today's message. This podcast is brought to you by Cultivate and Thrive, coaching by Michelle. Have a blessed and purposeful week.